Hello and welcome to episode number 65 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and with me as always is Tony Pauline, and we're almost at the halfway point with our 2019 NFL Draft Reviews as we get set to break down our fourth division, the NFC North, with two teams that have been heading in opposite directions over the past three seasons, the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean, Chicago has really taken off, I think, more than anyone expected when they selected Mitch Trubisky. And, you know, if you remember when they selected Mitch Trubisky, everyone was scratching their heads, even laughing. The fact that they traded up one slot to get Trubisky after they had signed, uh, who was the kid? Help me out here. The the kid from Tampa Bay, uh, who's been the career backup from North Carolina State, big, tall, uh, thin kid. They signed him to a huge contract. Oh, uh, Mike, Mike Lennon. There you go. Mike Lennon. Thank you. Signed him to a huge contract. Everyone thought that he was going to be their future. Or he's going to be their starter. They trade up, give away picks, get Trubisky, and it's worked out very well for them. And they are basically building to win now with the offseason trade for Khalil Mack, which limited their picks, but absolutely heading in the right direction, the Chicago Bears. For sure. And as you mentioned, the Khalil Mack trade really kind of limited their draft capital this year. They traded that 2019 first round pick among some other selections, a 2020 first rounder. For Khalil Mack, obviously signed him to a big contract then, and he made a huge impact as a pass rusher for them. They were also minus a second-round pick this year after they moved up for Anthony Miller, the wide receiver out of Memphis last season. So lack of picks be damned, the Bears still stayed aggressive. They sat at number 87 overall. They traded that pick. They also traded a fifth-rounder and a 2024th-rounder to move up 14 spots to number 73. They traded those picks to the Patriots and ended up taking Iowa State running back David Montgomery. Now, while athleticism isn't really Montgomery's strength, he has a 4.6340 at the combine, barely jumped 28 inches in the vertical. He does have feature back size at 5'10, 222, shows great instincts as a runner. We talked about on a prior podcast, you know, that he kind of has the it factor that we talk about for quarterbacks. Well, he's not a great athlete at running back, but he's definitely an instinctual player who gets the yards that he's able to get. He's capable of creating yards after contact as well, and he's an excellent receiver and pass blocker. So this pick is a massive upgrade over former running back in Chicago, Jordan Howard, who is a very one-dimensional player, who they ended up getting a late-round pick for in 2020 in their trade with the Eagles. The Bears did stand pat in round four and drafted Riley Ridley, the wide receiver out of Georgia, a guy who, like Montgomery, doesn't really impress in the area of athleticism, really also wasn't particularly productive for the Bulldogs, but he runs good routes, has good size at six foot one, big strong hands that he uses to snag passes from the air. Kind of like his brother Calvin, he's an on-the-ground receiver. He's not going to excel in the air or above the rim. He's obviously nowhere as fast as his brother Calvin. But Tony, what do you think of these skill selections for the Bears? Montgomery was, is a major hit, a home run for the Bears. There's no doubt about it. I thought he was one of the better backs in this draft. As you said, you know, he's not going to wow you with any testing numbers, but you'll watch him. He's a three-down back. He's outstanding in every area. As I said, in the lead-up to the draft, you know, he, he sets up and beats people mentally. They think he's going one way, and then he turns the other way. He shows some excellent short area quickness. He's got great vision, great run instincts, terrific pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's a sensational blocker. I think he will quickly break in as the feature back for Chicago. I think with him and Tariq Cohn, they got, they've got they got the developing, uh, outstanding one-two punch there, you know, with uh, different styles of uh, ball carriers. Montgomery, more of your interior ball carrier. Tariq Cohn, a guy that can turn the corner. You know, you're going to basically be giving Mitch Trubisky more weapons and more protection with David Montgomery. So I think it's it's a major win in every aspect. 
And as you said, he's a definite upgrade over Jordan Howard. Riley Ridley, I mean, I never bought into the hype of Riley Ridley. I did have him pegged as a fourth rounder, as many other people did. You know, he's a solid route runner. He's got average size. He's got average speed. But he's a good pass catcher. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's fundamentally, he's very sound. Catches the ball with his hands. He's got strong and soft hands. He snatches the ball away from his frame. Very consistent. I think he'll do a good job. But I really don't think he's anything other than, you know, a number four, maybe a number three receiver at the next level. But when you can get that type of player in the fourth round, then again, you're adding another weapon for Mitch Trubisky. That's a positive. Now, just three more selections for Chicago on the third day, none of whom were combine participants, ironically enough. Kansas State cornerback Duke Shelley was their sixth-round pick. And in the seventh round, they added Florida State running back Kareth White and Valdosta State cornerback Stephen Denmark. Now, Shelley didn't participate in Indy because of a torn ligament in his toe. He's under five foot nine and is likely going to be limited to nickel or dime work as a result. But he's a decent zone corner with good ball skills. He had multiple interceptions in each of the past three seasons including three in the seven games that he played in 2018 before suffering that injury. He also ran 4-4-6 at his pro day. Another guy who ran 4-4-6 at his pro day was Steven Denmark, and he's another bet on athleticism, just like Shelley was. Denmark also added an insane 43-and-a-half-inch vertical at 6-2-and-a-half and 220 pounds. He's a former wide receiver, so he has good ball skills. We actually have him ranked as a safety. If you look at the size, you'll know why, and obviously that athleticism is going to play up even more there. But in the end, Denmark is a practice squad guy, but he does have some really nice long-term upside. Now, Kareth White was Devin Singletary's backup at FAU. Great speed and explosiveness, just a hair under 200 pounds, but really doesn't have great agility, not the shiftiest lateral mover, limited production as a receiver. But again, another gamble on an athletic, under-the-radar prospect for the Bears here. We definitely got some nice intrigues with these picks, didn't they, Tony? Yeah, you know, Duke Shelley, he plays fast. Duke Shelley plays in the 4-3s. And he, what he's going to be is he's going to be a dime back who really is going to have to excel as a return specialist, which he did at times during his Kansas State career. So that's primarily why they brought him in. You know, you, you talk about Steven Denmark. He's a physical freak of nature. He's not a bad football player. The thing about Denmark, the reason why I have him graded as a uh, safety rather than a cornerback is he's best facing the action. You look at his size. You look at his playing style. Struggles making plays with his back to the ball. He's an explosive hitter. He plays to his testing numbers. You, know, you mentioned over 220 pounds, ran the four fours, 43-inch vertical jump. I mean, he plays to those numbers. But the thing is, is when his back is to the ball, it gets a little crazy. It gets a little confused for him. I think if you face him the action, maybe as his own corner in dime packages, better off as a safety, going to have to make it on special teams. I like Kareth White. Didn't play the full season last year. A tough interior ball carrier. A guy who, uh, you know, was a good complement there in the Florida Atlantic running system. And someone who I think if he shows well as a pass catcher out of the backfield this summer, I absolutely think he's got a chance to make it as a number four or a ball carrier in Chicago. Now, the Bears signed 22 free agents post-draft. That's more than four times as many as some other teams around the league. We obviously aren't going to go over all of them here, but we have to touch on Missouri wide receiver Emmanuel Hall, who honestly was just way too talented to fall out of the draft. Now, he had some injury issues. Reportedly, it was actually his attitude that ended up leading to his fall out of the seven rounds of the draft. But the Bears got a second-day talent here. Hall was an awesome vertical threat for Drew Locke with the Tigers at Missouri. He's a bit slight, so that's going to hurt him in press coverage. It's going to hurt him in contested situations. He's kind of similar to DK Metcalf as a truly linear athlete without the obviously massive frame that Metcalf has. 
but this was a great pickup after the draft for Chicago. Utah State tight end Dax Raymond was another nice pickup. Many rated him similarly to San Jose State's Josh Oliver before the combine, including us. We only have them about a round apart on our draft board. But Raymond really failed to impress in Indianapolis, while Oliver showed well in terms of his athleticism. I still find it hard to believe that that's going to make a four to five round difference here between the two players. But Raymond is a bit raw in terms of unlocking his speed on the football field, as well as finishing blocks. But I think he has legitimate backup potential at a free price here. Who else stands out to you, Tony? Yeah, you said a lot about Hall. I think you're right. I mean, there was talk that the Jets were considering him in the third round. I believe it was Sports Hernie or, or something like that that they found at the combine. He wanted to run the 40 and then was going to do the rest of the testing at his pro day. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see why exactly when they say his attitude, what they meant by that. They also signed Jesper Horsted of Princeton as a free agent. He's a big possession type receiver. I actually think you can put a few pounds on him and turn him into a move tight end. Marquez Tucker out of Southern Utah, solid offensive lineman, played tackle at Southern Utah, fundamentally sound, explosive, moves well on his feet. Don't know if he makes the active roster, but definitely a practice squad player. You know, I, I can't add anything that you said about Dax Raymond. I thought that was an excellent signing for them. I think he absolutely has a chance to make a roster. And, and Mateau Betts was an outstanding signing for him. If you were with us or listened to us during our Shrine Game podcast, I was talking about Mateau Betts every day after practice. He's a Canadian kid. He was an explosive pass rusher that opponents could not stop any of the three days out of uh, at trying game practices. He's quick up the field. He's fast. He's explosive. A little bit undersized. And I absolutely think that if he produces this summer in camp, he will definitely have a chance to make the active roster as a situational pass rusher special teamer. I mean, he has all of those skills that you look for in that type of player. And, you know, like I said, at the Shrine game, no one could stop him. And you had some pretty good offensive linemen who were selected in the draft at the Shrine game. Now, the Bears didn't have a ton to work with in this draft, but I did think they did well with their picks. They added a potential feature back. They got a solid depth receiver early on day three, who some feel has upside for more. They got several athletic flyers in the late rounds and after the draft and free agency as well. How would you overall grade this effort for Chicago, and how heavily are you going to include both Khalil Mack and Anthony Miller in here when you break it down, considering the picks from this draft that were used to acquire those players? I'd consider uh, Khalil Mack more than Anthony Miller since Miller was selected a year ago. But, you know, you got to consider Khalil Mack, like I said, with Montgomery and, and Ridley. You got two players that are going to help Mitch Trubisky be a better quarterback, give him some weapons. I like Duke Shelley as a dime back special teamer. I think Kareeth White has an outside chance to make the roster. Denmark, at the very least, is a practice squad player. And again, some of the uh, free agents we mentioned, Emmanuel Hall, you spoke highly of him. Marquez Tucker, I mean, Emmanuel Hall could make the active roster, maybe Mateau Betts. A lot of these undrafted free agents that they signed will find their way onto the uh, practice squad. So overall, I think it was a very solid effort by the uh, Chicago Bears. Now we'll ride over to the Motor City in just a moment here. But before we do, please support the Draft Analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show. Now, Detroit had almost twice as many picks as the Bears did, and even after they signed Jesse James to a sizable contract in free agency, the Lions still felt that tight end was a big enough need to draft Iowa's TJ Hawkinson eighth overall. 
Now, Hawkinson is an elite athlete with good size. He outproduced Noah Fant as a receiver in 2018. He's a devastating blocker at times. One of really the better overall tight end prospects that we've seen in recent seasons. Him and O.J. Howard really are the ones that stand out to me. And Hawkinson should be able to produce from day one, considering his two-way skill set. It's rare for tight ends to do that these days, but I do think Hawkinson can do it. Tony, do you like this pick, or would you have preferred that Detroit went in a different direction? Well, I like the player, but I think a different direction would have been a better way to go, especially in a draft that was stacked at the tight end position. You know, Hawkinson, I think, is a good player that can be a phenomenal tight end. He can absolutely develop into a three-down tight end. Terrific pass catcher. Doesn't have great speed, but finds a way to split the seams. Gives effort blocking. Does a solid job, but gets the most from his ability. I think once he gets a little bit bigger, he matures physically. He'll be a terrific blocker on a three-down basis or be a three-down tight end. But when you get guys like Ed Oliver and Christian Wilkins staring you in the face and you have an ability to even strengthen that defensive line even more after signing Trey Flowers in free agency, and then you have the ability to select good tight ends in the second or third round, that's the way I would have gone. I like T.J. Hawkinson. I just thought that with the available talent on defensive line, you know, teams want tight ends, absolutely. But you improve your defensive line, you make your whole defense better. That's the direction I would have gone. Now, yeah, obviously the Lions took a good player there, but they had some other needs. They might have filled those needs on the second day where they might not have gotten the same value that Hawkinson may have been at the number eight overall pick. They had two picks on day two. They got Hawaii linebacker Jelani Tavai and Boston College safety Will Harris. Both of those guys had third day grades on our board. Tavai was a player that many were hyping as a potential third round pick, and people were surprised at that. Then he goes in the second round as the third off-ball linebacker off the board, and it was just quite the surprise. He does have very nice size, almost 6'4", 250 pounds, but he has average speed and has some work to do as a player on the nuances of his game as well. In the end, he might be served best as a two-down linebacker, which is obviously not what you want in your second-round pick. Now, Harris, on the other hand, is a solid player, but he's not great in man-to-man coverage. He did test extremely well in Indy and plays with good discipline, but generally he's a better player against the run, and he might have been available a bit later than the middle of the third round, Tony. Do you think Detroit whiffed on day two here? I think they reached. Whether or not they whiffed, we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, Tavai, yeah, and like you, you know, I had been reading all along that a potential third-round pick, a potential late second-day pick, I never saw it. I, I know, and he had uh, issues with injuries and suspensions last year. Like you said, he's a two-down run stuffer. You could have got those guys late in the draft. Mac Wilson went later in the draft, so you could have picked up that type of player. They had a needed cornerback. They passed up Jawan Williams. They passed up Greedy Williams, which I think is going to come back and bite them in the rear end. You know, Tavai, I just didn't see it. I, I mean, I, I know what people were telling me about a second-day selection. I just went with what I saw, and, and I didn't see a second-day selection. It's a situation where we're just going to have to wait and see. Will Harris was a guy that tested much better than people thought at the Combine. He is a smart, tough safety. I did hear late in the process that he was moving up draft boards. So I, I guess that didn't surprise me where they selected him. You know, there were some needs on the offensive line for uh, Detroit. They could have had Nate Davis, who was uh, selected right after him, who a lot of people really liked. Justin Lane was taken two selections after Detroit took Will Harris. I thought Justin Lane was much higher rated than Will Harris. 
And the thought process was, there were a lot of people saying coming into the draft that they were going to look to uh, select cornerbacks. And I think when they took Tavai and, and then took Harris, they passed up the opportunity to select a lot of really good cornerbacks. The Lions traded down in the fourth round. They dropped six spots and ended up grabbing an extra sixth-round pick from Atlanta. They took Clemson defensive end Austin Bryant with that pick. Penn State corner Amani Urarie. I probably butchered that name. Sorry, Amani. They took him in the fifth round. They took Old Dominion wide receiver Travis Fulgham and Maryland running back Ty Johnson in the sixth, as well as Georgia tight end Isaac Nauta and Arizona defensive tackle P.J. Johnson in the seventh. Now, Bryant's a guy who obviously was overshadowed at Clemson by, you mentioned Christian Wilkins earlier, obviously Cleveland Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, etc. He didn't have the same season in 2018 that he did before that, but he does have a good first step, shows some bend off the edge, and should fit nicely as a 4-3 end in the Detroit defensive system. Personally, I was a bit lower on Uriah than most, including Tony, who had him as a third rounder, but the fifth round Feels about right for him in my eyes. He struggled to stay with receivers at the senior bowl, but he's got great size. He's a good athlete, and he has enough ball skills where he's worth developing with a pick at this point in the draft. Fulgham is a possession receiver, could possibly develop into a red zone threat. His third day in Mobile was full of touchdowns in red zone drills. He was one of the more impressive receivers that day, so that was a big step for him after a nondescript first two days of practice down there. Ty Johnson was another postseason all-star at the Shrine game in St. Pete, where he helped show off his receiving ability. More of a situational prospect for the NFL, has some injury concerns and never really carried a full load at Maryland and had a lot of competition in that backfield, didn't separate himself. Now, Noto wasn't really productive at Georgia, flunked the combine in every way. He's small, he's slow, no agility, bad jumps, etc. But he's a decent pass catcher who can contribute as a blocker as well. And obviously Detroit really made it a priority to add to their tight end room in this draft. Austin Bryant, you know, you were being kind when you said, you know, he disappointed in 2018. He basically fell off the face of the earth. I mean, entering the season, scouts, he graded him as a top 42 pick. He didn't play anywhere near it. So, you know, when you take him in the fourth round, you're hoping to get him back to where he was in 2017, where a lot of people thought had he entered the draft, he was a potential first round choice. Amara Way from Penn State. I love his size. I love his athleticism. It's just a matter of, you know, getting him to play to his ability on a consistent every down basis. Uh, you know, maybe this is the cornerback that they really need. Fulgham is a larger possession type of receiver who, if he shows consistency on the field, uh, I think he can make it as a fifth receiver. Ty Johnson in round six, I think, was an absolute steal. Again, if you were with us and listened to our podcast during the Shrine game, we talked about him every single day. He was outstanding in every aspect, running the ball, on the inside or on the outside as a pass catcher. I thought he was one of the biggest combine snubs. I think this is a great selection by the Lions. I absolutely think he will make the active roster. Nuada, I like Nuada. You know, you talked about him. Doesn't have great size, ran poorly at the combine, but he does a little bit of everything well. I think he can make it as a, uh, a third tight end. P.J. Johnson, a guy that if you followed us, we spoke about him, and I said, ironically, People were comparing him to Damon Snacks Harrison, who happens to be in the middle of the Lions defensive line right now. So P.J. Johnson's a guy that if they develop him correctly, he could eventually be the replacement for Damon Harrison. A quick athletic guy, very explosive, has to learn to play with better knee bend, does not always play with good leverage. But a guy who's got a lot of upside, just really scratching the surface of his football ability and someone to keep an eye on. Now, Detroit scooped up 11 UDFAs after the draft, and there is some intrigue with the Hall of Players they brought in. North Carolina edge rusher Malik Carney is one of them. 
situational pass rusher who really doesn't have the size to be a full-time defensive end, but he's got good strength and speed and an explosive first step that does make him an intriguing possibility here. Trey Lamar is a thumper, kind of similar, ironically, to Jelani Tavai as a two-down linebacker, but he's tough and he made a lot of plays at Clemson. You mentioned that there are similar players to Tavai later in the draft. Well, there were similar players falling out of the draft as well. So bringing in Trey Lamar kind of shows you that maybe you didn't have to take Jelani Tavai on the second day. Another intriguing UDFA for Detroit was ODU wideout Jonathan Duhart, Travis Fulgham's running mate. In college, they doubled down at the position there from that same school. Now, Duhart is tall, limited speed and burst, kind of similar to Fulgham as a possession receiver and red zone threat. Anybody stand out to you among the undrafted signings, Tony? Yeah, I love Malik Carney. I mean, I I thought he should have been drafted. He's a perfect fit for that system. As you said, a situational edge rusher with great speed. That North Carolina film was tough to watch, but McCarney was one of the guys on defense that really stood out. Trey Lamar of Clemson, I like him a lot. And the fact is, is he, if he was in the draft 10, 15 years ago, he's a second-day pick. He's a second- or third-round choice. But he's not what teams want in linebackers these days. You know, he's not the smaller, explosive guy with great speed that goes sideline to sideline. He's more of a, a thumper in the middle of the field. There's not high value on him, but Lamar can play, and I agree. I, I actually like the signing of Lamar after the draft more than I do the selecting of Tavai in the second round of the draft. That's how highly I think of Lamar, and that's how much I think Tavai was a bit of a reach. You mentioned Duhart, who was much higher rated than his teammate coming into the season, did not play in 2017 because of an injury, had some consistency issues, uh, but again, is a big possession receiver. And finally, Bo Benschwaschel. I mean, if you can pronounce his name, more power to you. God knows I'm going to butcher it. But, uh, you know, he's worth the roll of a dice, a small area blocker, tough guard that doesn't have great upside. I also do like Andre Wilson of uh, Alabama-Birmingham a bit, guy who could make it as a fifth receiver, a return specialist. He's got to show some chops this summer as a punt returner. I love TJ Hawkinson as a prospect. I did think the Lions did a nice job mining for value and upside on day three and after the draft, but that second day, as we discussed, was pretty rough. Hawkinson may not have been the right position for them in the first round. How much do those second and third round picks, at the very least, hurt Detroit's draft grade here? To me, it kills it. And again, I go back to they could add Greedy Williams. They could add Justin Lane. Much higher rated players at positions that were of greater need to the Detroit Lions. I would agree with you. I like the players that they selected in round three. I think all of these guys have a chance to make an active roster or a practice squad. Hawkinson, I'm with you. I mean, good player. I just think when when you had some uh, outstanding defensive linemen on the board, interior defensive linemen, that was the way to go. And that's all for the 65th episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back Friday with the Packers and Vikings, so keep an eye out for that. And head over to draftanalyst.com as well for all of our scouting reports, recent draft reviews, and a look ahead to the 2020 first round. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night.